Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. One of my favorite uh, ministers and one of my favorite preachers, and there's a difference there, folks. When you can combine the two, you really are doing something, and that's the Reverend Otis Moss III, and a brand new book from Simon & Schuster, Dancing in the Darkness, Spiritual Lessons for Thriving in Turbulent Times. Man, how appropriate. And Reverend Moss, thank you so much. Uh, I was, you know, it's funny. When we started broadcasting from Martha's Vineyard, it, you know, during the summer, um, I I always end up showing up the, the like the day after you've have a, a, a preached at, at one of the churches there. And everybody said, man, you should have heard Reverend Moss. You should have <laughs> heard Reverend Moss. When did that tradition get started? Uh, well, first of all, I want to say thank you, Brother Madison, for allowing me to be on your show. Uh, my entire family absolutely loves your work, uh, including my son, who's about to graduate from Morehouse. Congratulations. And Congratulations. He will, thank you. Thank you. In, in May, we'll be looking forward to going to, to the graduation. Uh, the, the, the tradition started probably, it was over 10 years ago, maybe about 12 years ago. Uh, my father and myself, we did a tag team sermon at Martha's Vineyard, uh, father and son. And, and then from there, the, the Union Chapel uh, church, and, you know, it's a summer church, uh, only operates in the summer. They, they were kind enough to, to invite uh, myself uh, back and my father back. And it has been kind of a tradition every August at, at Martha's Vineyard uh, that uh, we are at the Union Chapel. Wow. You know, I got to tell you, when you tell me, <laughs> that your father and you and your son uh, listens to the show. Now, I got to tell you, I get intimidated, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but I, 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 really, I really do appreciate it. Now, let's talk about Dancing in the Darkness. Mm-hmm. What, what made you decide to, to sit down and, and put this, this uh, book together. Well, it was it was several years ago. I was noticing with the work that we've been doing on the south side of Chicago and the work that we've been doing across the nation, especially around organizing and working with young people, uh, that there's a spiritual itch in our nation. Uh, spiritual itch that people have been trying to to scratch with social media, clout chasing, materialism, but they end up empty. And I was writing the book to focus on two very important values, regardless of your tradition, uh, love and justice, that they have to be married together. America does not want those two pieces married together, because when you marry love and justice together, they end up producing children, one by the name of liberation, the other by the name of transformation. And so the book goes through these different values that you need from rewriting your origin story, Hmm. consecrating chaos, uh, how do you grieve prophetically and not pathetically? Uh, what do you do when you are facing the darkest moments in, in your life personally? And then how do we engage this fragile yet-to-be United States of America as people of African descent 
uh, who've been considered three-fifths of a person and are still marginalized uh, and not seen as full human beings, and, and our skin is weaponized every time we are in the public space. And so the book focuses on those issues. Now, you, you, are, you draw on the teachings of not only Dr. King but Howard Thurman. I, am, I, yes. I, I discovered Howard Thurman years ago. Um, and I, I always go back to his, um, to many of his, uh, his, uh, books. Um, you know, Howard Thurman, and when you talk about, it, I think Howard Thurman brings this point up and Dr. King does too. You say justice combining justice and love. You're talking about agape, right? You're, you're not talking about, uh, romantic love. <laughs> Absolutely. See, love in America is, and love specifically without justice, is sentimentality. Justice without love can become legalism or brutality or just retribution. But when you merge the two together, then you start raising the question, how do we create a just society? How do I create a just family? And how do I redeem people uh, who've been caught up in a destructive system. For example, the mass incarceration system. We focus on retribution when we should be focused on a redemption and restoration. And let's let's go back to how this applies to the title. Um, mm-hmm. As as I'm reading, the, the dancing in the darkness. How did that title come about? <laughs> That's a, that's a wonderful question. I love it when people ask that question. The title comes about in, in 2008. You may, may remember I was uh, just starting out as new pastor at Trinity United Church of Christ, and my predecessor is the gifted, amazing uh, Dr. Jeremiah A. Wright, Jr. I was the pastor at, at the time, and there was a person in our congregation whose name at the time was Senator Barack Obama, who became President Barack Obama, and I remember working out at Bally's. I think it's been bought out by L.A. Fitness by now. But I was doing my warm down, and someone tapped me on the shoulder. I was on the treadmill just warming down. They said, hey, uh, Rev, is that your church on the news? I looked up on the screen, and Sean Hannity was absolutely going off about our church. I mean, just going in. And I said, well, i got to leave. And that began the media gauntlet. 40 outlets every single Sunday came to Trinity trying to put a microphone in someone's face to get some type of quote to put on some type of conservative blog or some news program across the globe. And then the death threats began. Uh, Dr. Wright received death threats. I received death threats. The church received death threats. We had bomb-sniffing dogs that showed up to every single service. And I remember... One evening, who's trying to get some sleep, we didn't get much sleep uh, during this time period, about a year that this, we went through this. And I had to get personal security. Um, my, Dr. Wright did. Uh, the church had increased security. We had to always talk with the FBI, every uh, threat that we were, get, we were receiving. And I heard something one night. Uh, my wife tapped me and said, hey, you need to go and check that out. And so I grabbed my rod and my staff that comforts me. Uh, that's a Louisville slugger bat, baseball walking bat, around, <laughs> walking around the house. And I'm thinking, is this it? Is this one of these crazed individuals that have been listening to this far right craziness 
coming to break into our house, and I'm going to have to defend my family. Uh, Then I heard the noise again, and it was coming from my daughter's bedroom, and she was about five at the time. And I go into the bedroom, and there's my daughter in the middle of the bedroom. It's 3 a.m., and she's dancing. She's spinning around the middle saying, look, Daddy, I'm dancing. Look, Daddy, I'm dancing. Wow. And I get that, you know, fatherly voice. I said, baby, you need to go in the bed. It's 3 o'clock. I had to preach in a couple of hours. How old was she? And that's when this, she was about five at the time. Oh, my. Okay, and, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and the Spirit just spoke and said, look at your daughter. She's dancing in the darkness. The darkness is around her, but it's not in her. And at that moment, I scrapped what I was going to share with the church and went down to my study, and I just started to write until the sun came up. And I stepped into the pulpit. Uh, I was tired as it could be, could be, and I said, we've been called to dance in the darkness. How do we do that? We dance, yes, with joy and with love, but we dance and demand justice. We demand uh, a new nation to be created. We dance in the darkness. And if we choose this dance, don't ever think that the sun has forsaken us. It just means that the earth has turned, and if we continue to dance, joy does come in the morning. And so the title of the book comes from my daughter demonstrating to me that in the midst of dark moments, you can reclaim your dance and do the work uh, that's necessary uh, and the foundations that are needed that when the light comes, uh, that you can begin the transformation for yourself and for your nation. You know, uh, the, the, uh, the book Dancing in the Darkness, Spiritual Lessons for Thriving in Turbulent Times. I, when I got the book, I realized uh, quickly, I don't, I don't need to read this cover to cover. I started picking mm-hmm. certain chapters. You, you don't have a problem with that, do you? Not at all. And, and 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 so what? Why did you write it that way? Well, I want each chapter to be a specific lesson. For example, if you want to use the book to be a a book study uh, for a you know a group book club or for an organization, but each chapter is a spirit a specific lesson. Mm-hmm. Like rework your origin story. Uh, I mean, I get into comic books and things of that nature, uh, but the fact that you have to determine your story, you can't have a story that has been framed by someone else writing your script. Uh, You have to be able to frame your story. And I tell the story of Auburn Avenue, and I do a lot of history in the book, um, and the power of Auburn Avenue producing a Martin Luther King Jr. Or the uh, chapter on consecrate your chaos, that chaos is a part of life. And how you deal with chaos, how will you handle that? You've got to name it. Uh, You have to employ it. And you have to build the kind of ship to handle the chaotic moments. And I use the example of the Black Lives Matter movement, building a ship in this modern moment to handle the chaos. And chaos is used by oppressive communities and governments uh, to break people's spirits so that they cannot demand for change. And and that I'm I'm about ready to go to the Memphis piece because they, I I talked it last Friday and implored people, uh, Reverend Moss, please don't be fooled or or into creating chaos. Don't burn your neighborhood down. 
don't people want you to do that? Because once you do that, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, then the narrative mm-hmm. changes. The attention mm-hmm. changes. You, you would agree with Absolutely. that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. Th- let me tell you the chapter that I, 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 I highlighted for our discussion. And the book is Dancing in the Darkness, uh, Otis, Reverend Otis Moss III, Pardon Our Dust. And I highlighted this part, and I'd like for you to expand on it. Uh, God does not pick out a few perfect humans to be above the rest. God does extraordinary things with ordinary people. And then you go into this discussion, um, and I never thought about it this way, the descendants of, of Jesus, David yes. and others. David was far <laughs> from perfect. When it, you know, I did do a little Bible study, uh, but a little Bible school study. And, you know, I, 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 when you started walking I mean, down this uh, path, I said, you know, he's absolutely right. Uh, expand on that, because you write extensively about it in the book, Dancing in the Darkness. Yeah, you know, the, the, the pardon our dust aspect is really about restorative justice. And I began the discussion talking about uh, the fact that if you look at the family tree, of, of Jesus, right. everybody is problematic. You know, you, you, I mean, if you start with Noah, right. the man was just, he's straight up drunk. You know, straight up drunk, right, right. <laughs> Abraham tried to pimp his wife. And David, I have a hard time with David, because David, great military leader, David was a horrific father. I mean, as a human being, I mean, David has problems. Uh, but yet, they're all in the canon. They're all utilized in, in a powerful way. And then I then go into a story, uh, true story, of, of a – changed her name, a young lady by the name of Terry, uh, who, you know, she got caught up with a young man. This young man asked her to hold a bag, and that bag had some drugs in it, and she – some weed, and she was about to be expelled from school. But because Terry had this relationship with a village of people – uh, we rolled up into the Chicago public school system and we said, Terry deserves another chance. Not that we're saying that she didn't do what you're saying, but the Chicago public school system had a no uh, a zero tolerance policy, which means you get expelled for an infraction, but not just expelled, you get expelled from the school system. And her family did not have the money to send her to a private school. She'd already received some uh, letters from, from colleges to attend. And, and so we came in as a community to say that ter- pardon Terry's dust. But the painful piece, uh, Brother Madison, was the, um, after we walked out from that meeting and the review board said she'll be suspended, not expelled, okay. which was rare to happen. We walk out of that meeting and there were three benches filled with young black men who had no advocates for them. And I said, every single one of those young men will be expelled, but there's going to be a different school, a street school, that's going to embrace them. We have to have a restorative justice program. Uh, The Bembe community in, in Africa, when someone has an infraction, a young person, they don't just sit there and say, look at the terrible things that you've done. They surround the young person with elders and, uh, and their peers, and they say over and over for hours upon hours, 
the potential you have, how much power you have, what a gift you are. And eventually the young person breaks down in tears and then they're welcomed back into the community. And then of course they have to deal with this major community service too. But the point is the Bembe people recognize restoration that biblically we recognize restoration, but in America, in our system of criminal justice, it's about retribution and profit. Mm, We need to move to redemption and and restoration. And and that comes through incarceration. I mean, I'm just going along, but that's, that's that's what we deal with. It's a, it warehouses. We warehouse incarceration. That's right. Incarceration. This is an amazing uh, uh, book, uh, and I, I got to tell you, I, um, I, had, it, it, I, I had a hard time putting it down, and then I found myself jumping around and thinking about it. Now, let me, let me get your reaction and how the book should or could apply to the Memphis uh, situation. Mm. Um I mean, it, the timing is perfect to ask you uh, mm. your uh, for your input on this. I know you've been thinking hard and fast about it. Um, I mean, how would dancing in the darkness apply to what we've gone through uh, with Memphis? Yeah, I think the the Memphis piece it just speaks to to what we've been writing that white supremacy um, with utilizing. Uh, black bodies to harm another black body is still white supremacy. Uh, that dance in the darkness speaks about the idea that one, we have to reclaim our dance to organize and our humanity. Two, we cannot allow the chaos created by a system to destroy our spirits and keep us not only for demanding justice rooted in love, but also imagining a world, imagining a new world, that is yet to be one of the greatest uh, tricks of oppressive society is the colonization of the black imagination. Now, of what, us does saying that mean? what we what can does that do. Mean? It, it means that when, when we, when our imagination is colonized, it means that someone else tells us what is possible in our minds. It means that someone else decides what our limitations can be. And that's the power of the freedom movement. The freedom movement was black imagination on public display. We have not only the right, but the ability to be able to change a, a Jim Crow South. Can you imagine? There were some black folk who said that's not possible. And at the height of the movement, of the, of the freedom movement, the organizers, there were probably about 3,500 major organizers that were really doing the work, as you know, um, their imagination is what shifted the laws. And we have an amazing group of young activists who say that they will not be limited by a destructive imagination that says we can't envision a different world, yeah. in the words of W.B. Du Bois, a yet-to-be United States of America. Or, 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 you know, and again, my thinking, Dr. King... I've been to the mountaintop. It was his. This is what he imagined. It had, right. and he said, yeah. "I'm I'm not there yet." We, but let me tell you, it's my imagination. John Lewis, uh, same That's thing. Right. They This is what I got you. I see what you're saying. I got you, because that's that's where it starts. 
It, it does. You know, there's there's nothing more dangerous uh, than a person with imagination and energy uh, undergirded by the spirit. Nelson Mandela talks about that. He, he was imagining the South Africa. That's what they were doing. Yeah. So we, we, we can imagine something different than what we see now. And your daughter, <laughs> your daughter <laughs> dancing in the dark, three o'clock in the morning, was imagining herself being a ballerina. That's her, right. Her future. <laughs> her 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 uh, her her future, and 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 so, so we when we talk let's let's go back to Memphis. When we talk about where do we go from here, we have to imagine police reform, and how to mm-hmm. and how to turn that into reality. That's right. Okay, got you. Yeah, we, we can't operate with what the, the can't first. We can't operate with what cannot be done. Yeah. We have to have the audacity right. to believe and imagine. I mean, this is Memphis we're talking about. This is the I am a man Memphis. This is the sanitation worker strike Memphis. That's right. This is the Beale Street Memphis. This is the Memphis that before you made your way into Mississippi, this was the first stop before you began your organizing for the Freedom Summer Memphis. This is that Memphis. This is the city of resilience. This is a city of power. This is a city of incredible activists and a city that is still in the process of imagining what it can be. But there will always be powers. There will always be chaos. There will always be systems that want to limit colonize and stop black folk from seeing a new future. And I go that back. I mean, we don't and, do it. And where you started, it was, I, I, I had to make a note. I just wrote down uncle Tom's cabin. And I've said this over and over. Uh, I, I, I stopped referring to people as uncle Tom, not only because it's derogatory, but obviously they did not read the book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, t- uh, because right, Uncle, right, right. Uncle Tom gave his life before right. he told the the slave master how black folks escaped. It was Sambo and Gumbo. That's right. You know. That's right. Yeah, and but you but you you raise a very good point. How folks will rewrite history, or or, or by the way, now they can't rewrite it freely. So now they just tell us we can't teach it. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's right. That yeah. is right. And that is in itself uh, not only dangerous, right. but it, it creeps into this area of, of evil to say that you can't tell your story. We're a people that come out of the griot tradition. Our stories yeah. and embedded in our stories is our power and our spirit, yeah. our God, all of that. And that's what preachers do. That's what we do. I tell, tell the same story. I talk about Jesus on Sunday. It's the telling of a story, right, right. but it's an empowering story. But he, but what he's done now with the book, Dancing in the Darkness, what Reverend Otis Moss III has done, he's put it in this, in this great book by Simon & Schuster. And uh, you can, you know, well, people can get it. Just, well, tell listeners how they can order the book, please. Sure. You you can get the book on, on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Nobles, but I want to just give a major shout-out to Target. Target decided to pick this book up to feature it during Black History Month. And and so you can go to any Target store. If they don't have it at Target, you need to tell them to order it. Um, but, uh, you know, Target, Barnes & Nobles, Amazon. 
Yeah, I I, I really want to thank you. <clears throat> I have been uh, a, a, a an admirer of you and your father, and I I got it. I you know I have to admit we were we would communicate through emails and texts. And I didn't know who was texting me first, the the junior, the, 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 the third or junior, and I'm and I said, now wait a minute, who am I talking to here? Because, uh, but but um, uh, my friend, uh, you you um, you're brilliant, and uh, if we do get back to broadcasting in Martha's Vineyard, I got to get in there the Sunday before, and and. Uh, and and uh, just uh, you know, and and just absorb the brilliance and the intelligence and the spirit that you uh, that you and your family have provided through these uh, decades and the generations. Everybody, I'm going to tell you, please get the, the book. It's called "Dancing in the Sh- in the Darkness: Spiritual Lessons for Thriving." Lord knows, in turbulent times. And and uh, by uh, Reverend Otis Moss the Third, who is the senior pastor at Chicago's Trinity United Church of uh, Christ. So I'll look. Matter of fact, I'll look forward to uh, getting to Chicago one Sunday. So. Uh, oh, we would love to have. Oh, you. I, you know, have. I, I usually sit in the back to, just to get the full effect. <laughs> <laughs> and and once again, congratulations on your son's. Uh, graduation from thank Mor- you morehouse and uh and and thank your daughter for her inspiration i appreciate it i certainly will it, right. it is always a delight to talk with you brother madison you keep on being our black eagle well you, uh, we you guys are gonna appreciate have to keep, your work you guys are gonna have to keep praying for me with my cuss jar but uh <laughs> <laughs> but at least it, it, sometimes I, I you know i always tell people sometimes you got to be profane to be profound it just, just, yeah, just, just say you're just speaking in certain tongues. That's all right, all. I'll do yeah. that. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be using that one. Yeah, I'm speaking in tongues. Okay, <laughs> thank you. God bless. God bless. You can listen to yours truly, Madison, the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.